Good morning. Good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD. This is the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. So much going on in the sports world in the month of November. It really is the ultimate month for sports fans. You got the NFL season at the halfway mark or just past that. Week 10 begins tonight with a lousy Thursday night football game. The Panthers against the Bears. College football in the final few weeks of the regular season. UVA plays at Louisville tonight. Virginia Tech, the Hokies needing a win at Boston College on Saturday. The NHL and the NBA, the two pro sports. Season's fully underway. The Wizards got their first road win last night. Impressive performance by the bench. Uh, Almost broke a Wizards record with 76 bench points in the win last night over the Charlotte Hornets. They'll rematch against the Hornets tomorrow from Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. The Caps lost 4-3 in overtime to Florida Panthers, so they still get one point in the loss. Ovi, Alex Ovechkin with two shots, no goals. He has two goals and six assists on the season, and we're tracking the Russian machine that never breaks in his quest to become the greatest goal scorer in NHL history. College basketball season began this week, and VCU plays again at the Siegel Center tomorrow, a Friday home game, needing to get the first win of the season. UVA and Tech play, but tonight, the major game in women's college sports is Virginia Tech against Iowa from Charlotte, North Carolina for a made-for-TV women's basketball contest. It's going to be awesome. I'm so fired up to see Georgia Amore against Caitlin Clark. We've got some really special guests on the show today, uh, beginning with Jackie Carson. She is the Senior Associate Commissioner of Women's Basketball for the ACC. I met Jackie at ACC tip-off. She's awesome. We're both from Northern Virginia. She's from Woodbridge, played at Furman, then coached as an assistant with Kenny Brooks, the Virginia Tech head coach, when he was at James Madison with the Dukes before becoming the women's head coach at Furman for 12 seasons. Rodney Ashby, the former VCU Ram basketball player and current color analyst for Rams basketball via Rams Unlimited, will join the show today. Rodney's my guy. He'll join me in studio at 2 p.m. General Greenberg of the AWOD Army, Neil Greenberg, the stats geek, will join the show at 2.30 to talk commanders. Last time we spoke with Neil, he was very down on Sam Howell and the amount of sacks he's been taking. Now we'll talk to Neil after two straight solid performances with limited sacks and see if he still feels like Sam Howell's not the guy or if the commanders have gotten closer to finding their franchise quarterback. But you know how we like to start the show every day by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world. And we begin the sports app today with college basketball here on the sports app. D3 hoop season began last night. Number eight, Hampton, Sydney, opened with a home win, defeating last year's national champions. Number one, Christopher Newport, 74 to 53 for Hampton, Sydney. It was senior David Hubbard who posted a double double. He had 16 points. And 10 rebounds. Coach Caleb Kimbra, who joined our show uh, 
last week to hype up the season said, quote, what a way to start the year. Big shout out to everyone who came out tonight. The students and fans were amazing. Very proud of our team's maturity. We made a lot of mistakes, but we stayed poised and stayed together when things didn't go our way. This was a fun win, but we won't dwell on it. We will watch the film and figure out how to learn from it. This is a long season. We're just getting started. And uh, Hampton Sydney scored the first points of the game as the crowd was rocking, uh, near sellout there. As uh, it was a really fun game, I saw a lot of the highlights online and and the uh, the students rushing the court after the game. As uh, the Tigers avenged a setback last year to CNU in the second round of the NCAA tournament, seventy-two to fifty-nine. Uh, and have now won two of three games played between the two schools in the last calendar year. So what's next for Hampton Sydney? They will remain at home uh, to welcome their next non-conference opponent, Greensboro College. That game is coming up on Sunday, November 12th at 4 p.m. VCU basketball, like we mentioned, game Friday. I'll be joined by Rodney Ashby today in studio at 2 p.m., let's move over to the NBA here on the Sports App. So I mentioned it. The Wizards got their first road victory last night thanks to a season high in bench points. Danilo Gallinari, right? Can you believe he's still in the league? Was balling for the Wiz last night, including an and-one three-point shot that he banked in. Uh, he had his season high off the bench with 18. DeLon Wright. Also had 18 points. Corey Kispert with 12. 76 bench points for the Wiz in a win over Charlotte. Like I mentioned, they will have a rematch against the Hornets coming up on Friday from Capital One Arena. Uh, But good win for the Wiz on the road. First road win of the season. And uh, we talked about this with Dave Johnson yesterday. Offense is not the problem. Defense has been the issue. Almost giving up 130 points per game, but they hold, they hold the Hornets to 116 thanks to a great defensive performance in the second quarter. Wizards scored 41 to erase a five-point deficit. Hornets held to just 17 as Kyle Kuzma led the Wiz with 33 points and nine rebounds, uh, but it was the bench unit. Kispert, Gallinari, Landry Shamit, who rose driving to the basket and finished with an and-one dunk. He had 15 points to assist and one steal for the Washington Wizards. Some other good NBA games last night, including the Warriors against the Denver Nuggets. It was Nikola Jokic who hit a couple clutch shots in the third and then again getting a shot assisted by Reggie Jackson late in the fourth quarter as the Nuggets would go on to defeat the Warriors 108-105. to Good game for the Milwaukee Bucks against the Detroit Pistons, it was Damian Lillard with a clutch two-point shot in the fourth quarter as the Bucks defeat the Pistons 120-118. to Tyrese Maxey helped the Sixers knock off the red-hot Boston Celtics as Maxey drove to the basket in the fourth quarter and then hit this clutch three-point shot as the Sixers defeated the Celtics 106 106- to 103. Let's move over to the NFL here on the Sports app. NFL game tonight. And it is game one of week 10. QB1 for the 
Chicago Bears Tyler Badgett is eager to avenge last week last week's loss. He is Bit of a running quarterback for the Bears, and he addressed the media uh, yesterday ahead of their Thursday night football game saying, look, I want to make sure that I'm not the reason that we lose tonight. And so uh, we will go around the NFL on NFL hits and pick the best games of the weekend. I already know there are a few snooze fests, including tonight's Thursday night football game. I thought it was kind of funny. On Michael Phillips' show, MP on the mic, when he played that clip of Kenny Brooks, who said, yeah, you should be watching the Lady Hokies tonight because who knows how to find an NFL game on Amazon Prime. I know my dad certainly has uh, issues finding that. And, you know, the biggest issue I have with Amazon Prime is the frames per second. The rate does not match the TV. And it feels like anytime they throw a deep pass, the ball is lagging, you know, and it's so it drives me crazy. And then I don't watch commercials. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a diehard sports fan. I watch all the games. I don't watch the ads. I try to find another game that's on TV. I'll flip to the Big Ten Network, ACC Network, find something that's on TV. You can't do that if you're on Amazon Prime. So you got to open up the YouTube TV app and then toggle back and forth between those two. It's just a hassle. Can we move the NFL back to cable TV? Please. I'm begging you. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at... 105-1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. It's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM. We got Dan in here running the ones and twos. Doing an excellent job. And you can call us, 833-804-0910. Phone lines are always open. 833-804-0910. Like I mentioned, we've got a, a ton of really good guests on the show today. We'll go around the ACC with Mark Packer from the ACC Network. Rodney Ashby will join us in studio at 2 p.m. to talk a little VCU basketball as they try to get their first win of the season from the Siegel Center on Friday. Uh, but right now, it's time to go around the National Football League here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on A1 Radio. All right, Dan, this is a little new for you. Here's how we do the bit, all right? So every week, I go through all the games on the schedule, and I give out Either a three-star game, a two-star game, one-star, or a snooze fest. That means I'm not even going to watch that game. And I'm going to give a snooze fest to Thursday Night Football tonight with the 1-7 Panthers against the 2-7 Bears. I mean, these teams are combined 3-14 and on the season. Who wants to watch that, snoozer? No, thank you. We move over to Sunday at 9.30. Another one of these games from Germany, the NFL Frankfurt Games. That's the Colts against the Patriots, and I I like to keep joking about how 15 years ago, I would have been up at 8 a.m. pre-gaming, getting ready, reading all the articles. It's Peyton Manning against Tom Brady. Well, now it's Mac Jones against Gardner Minshew. Another snooze fest. We move past that 9.30 game to a a pretty good 1 o'clock schedule. All right, I'm going to give out two stars to the Texans against the Bengals. Stroud has kind of impressed a lot of people uh, this year. They're 4-4, and a chance to go above 500. But the Bengals are one of the hottest teams in football right now. As Joe Burrow has finally gotten healthy, they've won four straight. 
including last two games over the Bills and the Niners. Yeah, that's pretty good. That has pretty good victories right there for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'll give that a two-star game. Uh, another two-star game, the 5-4 and four Saints against the 5-4 and four Vikings. You know, you, you hear those two teams and you're like, well, that's kind of a mid-game. I mean, Saints aren't that good. The Vikings are without Kirk Cousins. But somehow, Derek Carr, Saints are 5-4. and four. And the Josh Dobbs-led Minnesota Vikings are also 5-4. and four. So that's a battle right there for the final wild card spot in the NFC. So I'll give that a two-star matchup. Uh, One-star matchup, Packers-Steelers. I expect the Steelers to win that game. Hobgood over here is upset. Are you picking the Packers? Is that what oh, you're saying? No. I, yeah, I'm picking the Steelers as well. Uh, I'm going to say one-star game is titans Bucks. That's another game where both teams are below 500, three and five against three and five. I guess you could say they're fighting for a wild card spot. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield gets the win over King Henry, Derek Henry. Uh, I'm going to give the first three star game of the weekend to the one o'clock game on Fox. That's the San Francisco 49ers on a three game losing streak, right? The culture, the vibe that Chase Young has provided over there. Well, they're traveling to Jacksonville to face off against the 6-2 and two Jacksonville Jaguars with Travis Etienne Jr., who's one of the hottest running backs in the league. And the Jags have quietly won five straight games, uh, five straight wins for the Jags. They're 6-2, and two, first place in the AFC South. That's absolutely a three-star contest and in line to be a WAD certified game of the week. I'm giving out another three-star game between the Browns and the Ravens from M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland. This is a Browns team that are led by their defense and Miles Garrett, and their defense has single-handedly won them multiple games this year. The Ravens have one of the hottest offenses in football right now. Lamar Jackson seems to be playing at an MVP form. Gus Edwards is running the ball well. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, and Mark Andrews have been really impressive this year. And the Ravens are coming off of maybe their best stretch of the year. All right, so they're on a four-game win streak. Listen to these four games. They beat the Titans in a close one, 24-16. Then they blow out the Detroit Lions, who were at the time one of the hottest teams in football. That was a 38-6 win. They eek past the Cardinals 31-24 and then blow out the Seattle Seahawks 37-3. Baltimore is one of the hottest teams in football. I expect them to get a home victory on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, but it is a three-star matchup. We go from a three-star to a zero-star. Another snooze fest from Glendale, Arizona, as the Cardinals at 1-8 host the Atlanta Falcons. And we're still trying to find out if it's going to be Heineke or Desmond Ritter as head coach Arthur Smith has been playing musical chairs with the quarterback position. And he did a five-minute rant yesterday about why B. John Robinson's not getting the ball in the red zone. I'll tell you, I listened to all five minutes of it. It didn't make any sense. He's he's one of the most talented running backs. You drafted him in the first round. Feed the man in the red zone. He's only got one touchdown on the season even though he's been really impressive uh, in between the 20s. I don't know why they shy away from him when it matters most. I'm going to give a two-star matchup here at 405 on CBS between the Detroit Lions and the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are such an interesting team. So they're coming off of that really good Monday night football win against the Jets. But you look at their losses this season. Their losses have been by two points, three points, three points, 
And then that game against the Chiefs where they were in it until the fourth quarter and then lost by 14 points. But they're also on a two-game win streak. So Chargers on a two-game win streak against the Detroit Lions, who are 6-2. and two. They're flying high. Jared Goff is having such a great season. Uh, Jameer Gibbs. Amon Ross, St. Brown, one of the top wide receivers in football. That should be an excellent contest. 425 on Fox. NFC East. The NF- the beasts of the East. The Giants against the Cowboys. But I'm just going to give that a one-star game because Giants are going to be playing Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Uh, give me Dak Prescott and the Cowboys to win and cover the spread. Seahawks 49ers. It's close to a three-star contest. Because of how much you know, you know I love the Commanders. Uh, but this is a Seahawks team that's coming off of a bad loss against the Ravens. They're five and three. And if you've been listening to Drab T-shirt on the Junkies, known Seahawks fan, they haven't found out their identity. The Commanders seem to have found their identity. It's they're going to throw the ball about forty times a game with slinging Sammy Howe. Give me two stars on that matchup. Jets Raiders. That's a snooze fest of a Sunday night football game. No, thank you. And then Monday night, I'm not really interested in Broncos-Bills either. I mean, look, I I will say the Broncos have slightly turned it around. They've won two straight games, somehow beat the Chiefs 24-9, beat the Packers in the game before that. Uh, But this will be a really tough contest for Russell Wilson against a 5-4 Buffalo Bills team that's 4-1 at home and uh, wants some revenge after their disappointing loss to the Bengals 24-18 last weekend. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. So you heard my three-star contest for the weekend. I'll give out AWOD Certified Game of the Week every Thursday at 2.45. You're listening to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere, don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. Every game can be heard on 910 The Fan with a two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show, VCU Basketball, and I'll be back on the pregame and halftime show on Friday as they have got another game from the Siegel Center, uh, but also the most Hokies talk here in town, Uh, Hokies men's basketball, women's basketball, and Hokies football as they've got a game at Boston College this Saturday. But joining us right now to talk a little women's hoops on the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hotline is Jackie Carson. What's going on, Jackie? Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing great, and uh, I'm so fired up for this matchup. We've been talking about it all week, a made-for-TV matchup with Iowa against Virginia Tech. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Oh, what an amazing game for women's basketball, right? It's um, I- I've never heard such a buzz by some of the most opening, like, epic opening games, uh, and I'm just happy that we have ACC teams that are a part of such games. Um this is going to be fun. Talk about some pro- prolific scores and fun matchups. Um, I, I think, you, you know, too many East Coast, you know, um, fans don't see the likes of Caitlin Clark too often, and and we're a little bit spoiled by teams such as Virginia Tech. So seeing them clash in a non-Final Four 
matchup. What a treat for, for the women's basketball community. Jackie is the Senior Associate Commissioner of Women's Basketball in the ACC. And uh, you mentioned Liz Kitley. I mean, she's just so special. Uh, 27 points in the opener. How do you stop her? Like, how do you game plan against her? I mean, I, I've been calling her like the female Tim Duncan because she's just so fundamentally sound. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like she, to me, she's a little bit more Dirk Nowitzki. Like, <laughs> okay. The way her high release, um, the ability to fade away off that one foot, like, God, you, you can't, to, to answer your question, you can't stop her. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like, on the other end, how do you start, stop, um, you know, Caitlin Clark? You don't. And, and that's where the fun gets in because that's such a high entertainment value to watch players like Kitley go against uh, Clark and, I mean, talk about a scoring matchup and pace of play. It's, you can't stop her. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a headache to the, to the coaches, but it's going to be a lot of fun to the fans. And, Jackie, when we met at ACC tip-off, we were both talking about how the moment is now for, for women's college hoops. And, and I kind of said, you know, I think the transfer portal is a big part of that. It's giving these girls more time to mature while playing high-level basketball. And, and uh, you know, they can go to a better league or they can go to a better team. Or, or some of them, like Liz Kitley, could just stay at Virginia Tech and dominate and try to be three-time ACC Player of the Year. So what are your thoughts on why the moment is so big right now for women's college hoops? Well, I, I think you hit on it in a couple ways. You, you see the, the, the payoff if you stay at one institution and really develop under a coach that believes in you, that believes in you from the, the moment that you started. That's kind of what, you know, um, what, what Kimmy has built at Virginia Tech. You have Kitley, you have Amor, um, the, the two players that have been in the program the whole time, and then you're able to add some transfers to complement them, you know, especially that can, you know, come in off their recent success and get some high-level transfers like they, they've done, uh, I believe, Michigan State and, you know, just um, and, and Wake Forest. So you're bringing in Power 5 ready uh, contributors, and, and so that's what the transfer portal has done. And then I think the same thing with Iowa last year. They didn't have a lot of transfers on that roster. They came up through – Elise is an outstanding coach for Iowa, and they stayed true to that program. But I think when you find yourself having some holes, it's a perfect mix. If you have your, your constants come up through the program and then you can fill some holes with some transfers, I think that's what you're seeing with both of these programs. Jackie, I know you've got such a great story. Tell, tell my audience a little bit about how you began playing basketball in Woodbridge and ended up at Furman yeah. and then spent a ton of time coaching there. Yeah, so I'm a Virginia girl, you know. I um, Well, I, I claim it. My dad is military. My parents actually still live in Virginia. Uh, I played at C.D. Hilton. Uh, I was one of the – C.D. Hilton was just built. I'm kind of dating myself right now. And so I was the first class that played all four years at Hilton. Um, and then I had a great career at Furman in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, played overseas and was pre-med and thought I was about to go to med school. And then um, my <laughs> – my assistant coach, who ironically, uh, he was my assistant coach at Furman, but he was, we met because he was the head coach at Woodbridge um, when I played at Hilton, and he told me I need to get into coaching. And I was like, you're crazy. I have no idea. I have no desire to do that. And I got into coaching 20 years ago. And so I started two years at Bucknell, and then I went to James Madison for five years under Kenny Brooks, who is at Virginia Tech. So uh, I was associate head coach there at JMU. We had a great, great rivalry. We won um, 
NCAA championship, participated in the NCAA tournament three out of the five years. Um, and then we, um, and then I became the head coach at Furman um, in 2010, was the head coach there for the past 13 seasons. And this summer, just this job just kind of spoke to me. So I, I, I got out of the trans, as one transfer portal and went to conference <laughs> realignments, which, which is a transfer portal on steroids. And, um, and here I am at the ACC office, which has been a dream come true. So. Tell me a little bit about your time under Kenny Brooks at JMU because I've really enjoyed my conversations with him, and I, I think it's awesome the work he's put in at Tech. Yeah, I know. It, it, was, it was phenomenal. It was probably what, what springboard my transition really into wanting to be a head coach was learning under Kenny and, and just watching his relationships with his players, which you can tell he still has great relationships of with everyone on his team. I think it also helps to, you know, to learn under someone who played the sport and has a basketball mind and did it at a high level. Um, and then, you know, I, I learned the same way, you know, he was a, a graduate of JMU. So the amount of pride that he took in wanting to build that program at, at his school uh, was really special to me. And it kind of helped me have that same pride going to build at my school when I became the head, head coach at Furman. But Kenny has an amazing basketball mind. He's able to get out there, show the moves, teach the moves, um, really make it applicable to where they can use the moves. And um, and he gives the, the, his players enough freedom where they really feel like they can be themselves um, but still has enough control, if that makes sense. So he, he's a, a great mind. He's a, a relationship builder, and he, he really invests in his players. Jackie Carson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. She is the Senior Associate Commissioner of Women's Basketball in the ACC. And big-time matchup tonight. Caitlin Clark against Georgia Amore. Caitlin Clark against AP Top 10 teams. Almost 30 points per game. Georgia Amore, 22.3. And 38 three-pointers made in the ACC and NCAA tournament games combined last season. It's 8 p.m. tonight on ESPN2. I mean, how's this thing going to turn out? What are your thoughts? Oh, well, you know, I I got to go with Virginia Tech. Uh, I got to go with the, the, the coaching of Kenny. But I was, I've been on a number of committees with Lisa, and she is a winner. And so it's going to be a fun matchup. But, of course, my heart is in it for the ACC. I, I think we have the best league in the country. Um, so uh, I'll be – I'll be really, really cheering on Virginia Tech, but I'm just excited about this matchup and what it does for women's basketball and how it continues to make our sport grow. Yeah, I mean, Caitlin Clark has just exploded onto the scene, and when you watch her play, you can totally understand. I mean, she's she's like the female Steph Curry almost. I mean, she can pull up from anywhere around the court, and uh, uh, George Amor's impressive as well, so I think all eyes around the country are going to be on that matchup tonight. Uh, other news in NCAA women's hoops and early results is there anything to be worried about with LSU they lose as their opener no I think it just proves that everybody is beatable like I know they they loaded up and have some great star power but you know there's something J.R. Payne what she did at Colorado and her team um, people are hungry to show what you know what level women's basketball has risen to and so no, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I think it makes the season more exciting because I, I, it's kind of boring when you think you have a team that just was going to run all over everyone. Well, Colorado proved that wrong you know, quickly. So I think it's going to make the season more exciting. People are going to tune in to see if that happens again. How much do you think this game tonight, Virginia Tech against Iowa, is going to affect the seeding when it comes to NCAA tournament play in March? 
I don't think it'll affect it much. I think these are two teams that are going to be riding the thick of it. So I think what it does is it gives one of these two teams a very signature win early on, um, especially if everyone is healthy and you never really quite know who's going to show up and if everyone is healthy until the, the, the jump ball. But talk about a signature win that could probably bolster one of these two teams to a potential number one seed. So from that standpoint, I, I think it's going to be huge. But it definitely is not going to hurt whoever comes out on the losing side. It's going to be a great matchup, um, women's basketball fans. And I think we're going to win over some fans um, because, again, last year nobody really knew who, who Georgia Amore was. Uh, everybody knew about Liz Kitley, but she really showed out during the Final Four, had a great showing. And so I think what, what it's going to do is this is going to be uh, a test between potential number one seeds, but it's mm. going to be a great show for women's basketball fans and went over some new ones. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think if anything, it's just going to win or lose. Uh, it's going to help Tech's confidence when it gets to ACC conference play. Jackie, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yep, that's Jackie Carson, the C- Senior Associate Commissioner for Women's Basketball at the ACC. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. we got a lot to get to on the show today. I'm going to try to go around the NBA. There was a ton of good basketball last night. There's a ton of good basketball tonight. We just talked with Jackie Carson about Virginia Tech against Iowa, 8 p.m. on ESPN2. The Commanders go across the country to face off against the Seattle Seahawks. And we're going to catch up with our old buddy right now. Joining us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Ethan Cadeau. What's going on, Ethan? What's going on? I'm excited to be back on with you. Absolutely. So Ethan does fantasy football for PFN365 and also covers more sports for Monumental Sports Network. You can follow him on social media at Ethan Cadeau. Let's do a little Commander's Corner here on The Fan. All right, so Ethan, what do you think of Sam Howell? Do you feel like Washington has finally found their franchise quarterback, or are you still, you know, reserving your thoughts until the end of the season? That's the million-dollar question, right? I think right now where I'm at is he's trending in the right direction of he is the franchise guy. It's hard to make that declaration after, what, 10 starts to his name? unless you're Patrick Mahomes or someone like that. But, I mean, the game against New England was really impressive. He makes two or three throws every single game that are, like, only franchise elite quarterbacks make. There's definitely a lot of room for improvement. I mean, that interception against New England was he, – he seems to have, like, one or two of those throws every game as well where you just kind of throw your hands up and shrug, like, what are you doing? But I, I've been impressed. I mean, you have to remember, fifth-round pick – only has 10 starts to his name. He's currently second in the NFL in passing yards, more passing yards than Mahomes. I mean, there's a lot to like with him. I think he's gotten better as the season goes on, and I think if he continues to ascend through the back half of the season, he should absolutely be the guy in 2024 and beyond. Absolutely. I mean, look, this is this is a guy here that was a fifth-round pick but is not playing like a fifth-round pick. To me, he's playing like a guy that was drafted number one or two overall with 2,471 yards, 14 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Uh, he's had a fourth-quarter comeback. He's had a second-half comeback. He's had a two-minute drive to tie the game to send it to overtime against the Eagles. These are things that a fifth-round pick doesn't usually do. And so uh, I, I kind of agree with you that, hey, 
Let's wait till the end of the season to find out if he is the franchise guy here in Washington. But as of right now, he's playing like a top five quarterback in the NFC, right? I mean, who else besides Jalen Hurts would you take over him in the NFC right now? I mean, it's hard. I guess Jared Goff is up there. He's had another good season with the Lions. Dak Prescott's been playing better as of late. But, I mean, he's right there in that mix. And I I got a fun hypothetical for you here. Would Carolina rather have Sam Howell than Bryce Young right now? I'd like to. I'd like to think they would. Yeah. And Bryce Young went first overall in this year's draft. So I mean, for they've had the same amount of starts. I mean, Sam Howell only had one start last year. I would much rather have Howell. He looks a lot more like an NFL quarterback than the number one overall pick from this year. There's a lot to like and a lot of room for improvement too. Which that's kind of the should be the main goal for this team the rest of the season. It's Ethan Cadeau with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media, Ethan underscore Cadeau. Check out his work for fantasy football with PFN365. And speaking of fantasy, Sam's been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks over the last few weeks, right, Ethan? Yeah, he's. I think he's QB6 or QB7 on the season now. He has outscored Patrick Mahomes in six of nine weeks. I have Mahomes on my team, and I've been getting clowned in the group chat for taking him in the second over or second round when Sam Howell has literally outscored him in fantasy six of nine weeks. That's just ridiculous. But yeah. I mean, it's just a testament to, I mean, fantasy is all about the numbers, right? And Howell's putting up Mahomesian type numbers right now. I mean, it, it's just the reality. Ethan, the question of the day on the Richmond Commander every day at 1 p.m. here on AWOD Radio, I'm putting out to the listeners, 833-804-0910. Do you have any idea why Ron Rivera is so good in November. He's 9-3 and three in his time here in Washington in the month of November. So I, I, I don't think there's anything you can specifically point to as to why he's so good in November. A uh, kind of theory I might have is his team has really struggled at the beginning of the year, <laughs> and every midpoint of the season we get the, oh, is Ron on the hot seat? And then what does he do? He wins three of four, and he gets right back to, oh, look at this great job Ron's doing. So I think he's just really good at making his seat go from hot in October to lukewarm room temperature or even cold by the end of November. I don't think there's anything specific he does. I mean, his identity as a head coach has typically been a good running game and a stout defense. That that formula seems to work a lot better towards the back end of the year when the weather gets colder and it's harder to throw the football. But I think it's more of a coincidence than anything that his team's just seem to rally in, I guess, what, the third quarter of the season? Because, I mean, his record in December used to be really good, but it hasn't been that way as of late either. Yeah, I kind of think it's desperation, right? His teams are always desperate Mm -hmm. for wins in the month of November, and usually that leads to some inspired play. Uh, They're going to have to play, come out inspired to win Sunday on the road in Seattle with a 425 kickoff. What's your breakdown of this game? I actually like Washington in this game. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think <laughs> it's a somewhat somewhat favorable matchup for a team that's going across the country. I mean, Kenneth Walker, Seattle star running back, he's been hurt a decent amount. He's playing through it, but he didn't practice yesterday with a chest injury. Geno Smith has not looked like the Geno Smith of last year. Yeah, Seattle's defense is very good. Devin Witherspoon, fifth overall pick, looks like he – firmly in the running for defensive rookie of the year. If it's not Jalen Carter, it's going to be him. That defense, I think, could give Washington problems, but I'm expecting a good defensive performance from the commanders, too. I mean, I'm not impressed with Seattle's offense. I think 
DK Metcalf had one catch last week for 50 yards. Tyler Lockett, you know what he's going to do. He's going to be good, but I, I don't see Seattle as as great of a a team that a lot of people do. And also, another fun fact, I think the Commanders are 7-1 and one playing in Seattle or against the Seahawks as a whole. Yeah. They've historically had really good success against them, and I think that that could continue. I still remember the Kirk Cousins game in Seattle in 2017 where Josh Doxson had that crazy catch down the left sideline at the one to set up the game winner. They had no business winning that game. They just seemed to play well in the Pacific Northwest, and hopefully that continues. This yeah, week. yeah, they certainly play well against the Seahawks in the regular season, not the same story in the playoffs. But right. <laughs> uh, my, my thing about the Seahawks is I think they're a great team. I just don't think they have great individuals, right? Like outside yeah. of DK Metcalf and outside of like a few uh, big-time playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, it's just a bunch of average guys that Pete Carroll every season gets to play, uh, you know, above uh, what they should be playing. I mean, he is one of the most most impressive coaches in, in terms of like inspiring his team and coming up with a great game plan every single week. I kind of think 24 points could be enough to win this game for Washington. I'm just wondering, what is Enemy's game plan going to be? Because if you look at the Ravens' uh, playbook last week, they ran, ran, ran almost 300 yards on the ground. Right. But we know Enemy, when in doubt, likes to throw deep. Yeah, and he likes to throw short and use the screen game as part of the running game as well. I think they have to try and beat him on the ground to start after what Baltimore did. You give B-Rob a bunch of carries early on, see if he can get to a rhythm, maybe get Antonio Gibson some touches as well. I mean, the recipe to beat them is out there. Baltimore just proved it. You have to run the ball, control time and possession. That's something the commanders have done really well when they've won games throughout Ron Rivera's era. I remember when they went on that four-game winning streak in 2021, they averaged like 36 or 37 minutes of time of possession in that stretch. It's a lot easier to win games when you have the football in your hands for the majority of the game. And how do you do that? By running the ball effectively and playing good defense. And I think that's that's kind of the same recipe to beat Seattle right now. Geno Smith doesn't scare me. He shouldn't scare the commanders either. And I think, yeah, running the ball, that's how they have to win the game if, that's, if they want to leave with a victory. Ethan, what did you make of Chase Young's comments about the culture and the vibe in San Francisco. Did some, Has anybody told Chase that that team's on a three-game losing streak? Because I don't think he's realized that yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I understand why a lot of Commanders fans were upset by it. But, I mean, you look around that 49ers locker room, there's a star in every corner. They went to the NFC Championship game last year. They probably would have won if Brock Purdy didn't hurt his elbow. I mean, that team, they're a Super Bowl contender year in and year out. And I don't really think anything Chase said was – that wrong i mean the commanders haven't won a playoff game since 2007 so they've been saying they're trying to build a winning culture but have they won when it counted yet no um i think I'm, it's really curious to see how he play, how chase young plays out there he's gonna have to buy into that system he's not going to be able to freelance and kind of do whatever he wants i mean yeah they have a lot of talent on the defensive line there but so did they in washington so we'll see i doubt he's in san francisco after this year i don't think they can really afford him after paying Nick Bosa $35 million a year. But it should be a fun stretch run to watch. I am a little worried for what Chase Young will do when they play Washington at the end of the season. But I'm not, I wasn't really surprised by his comments, and I don't think fans should really be offended. It was clear, based on what the trade compensation was, that the commanders wanted to do whatever they could to move on from him. And I think at this point, the fans got to do the same as well. Ethan, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to join the show, man. 
appreciate you having me on. Yep, that's Ethan Cadeau. Follow him on social media, Ethan underscore Cadeau. Check him out on social media. You can read his work covering the Caps from Monumental Sports Network or Fantasy Football for PFN365. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. It's the Richmond Commander coming up next.